Mastering the Storm is the Here's the Storm podcast on the Anchor.fm platform. Heyo! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mastering the Storm. This is LDAP. Joined by Wenzeltron. So how was your week so far? Not too bad, you know, just, I think it's week five of school right now, so it's just kind of getting the swing of things, you know, keeping the, any sort of schedule that I have with school and not, you know, going crazy or anything like that. So... I'm trying to do content on the side in between all the things. Yeah, I got to check out your plays video this week. It was pretty good. Yeah, I tried to do, after we talked about all the content creation last week, I was, recorded that video, and, like, as I finished recording it, I had the idea, like, if, if you watch the outro, it's like, oh, I have an idea. <laughs> and that was where the what the idea was, where I basically overlaid the intro with just playing, like, the first few minutes of the game so that it basically sped up the whole process instead of having to see... Uh, the intro, like the boring parts, really. So it's kind of cool. Kind of just shortened yeah. the video overall. Yeah, and I think it was effective. You know, it got the point across about the changes to Blaze, and now he can be a tank. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I thought it was short, sweet, to the point. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what videos have to be. You know, people don't have time to sit there and watch a 20-minute game just to get your build, you know. Right, yeah. That's the problem I have with, that's the problem I have, like, with Nubcakes and, um, Grubby, you know, Grubby's videos, even though I like them, you got to watch through the entire right, video yeah. to see what their build is. Whereas where Alex Proji, when he does videos, he actually puts his build um, on the top, like as he intros. So he puts his yeah, build right there. I was there. thinking about doing the same thing, actually, just like doing a snipping tool at the end of the matches and grabbing it that way. Yeah, and I find that to be, you know, really well. And then, of course, like if something, if you're trying to hone, hone down a point, it's important to kind of emphasize that in the beginning as well. Right, yeah. And then the rest, of the, yeah, and if you have time to watch the match, see the engagements and stuff, that's good. And I, to be honest with you, the only videos I find myself really kind of wanting to watch all the way through are warrior videos, like ones with tanks, because it's all about positioning. Damage, right. you do damage. Healers, you do healing, you know? <laughs> so it's like... T tanks have a lot more, like, soft skills that you don't see. Like, you have to right. really watch them, right? It's not like right. something... It's not something that you can just actively know, like, because it's like weird because you can engage, but that engage could be a horrible timing or at a bad angle or something. Right. There's just right. so many variables that are in play with it because it's, you know, 3D chess, as we said before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, healing, you know, like as, as a healer, yeah, I'm interested. But, you know, eh, I mean, my job healing, is to heal. My job is, a bit similar <laughs> to, healing is similar to tanking because. But it's the other way around, right? Where the, the tank is the one engaging. The healer is the one looking for that counter engage and not yeah. being in a place that oh, like puts you in a situ situation where the enemy team capitalizes on it, right? I see that a lot yeah. in, in the quick match games where, where you see a DPS or a healer that goes too aggressive and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's the switch, you know? And, and you're yeah. like, yeah. You're like, you got to not do that. Like, you have to trust your tank to, to see the opportunity. And if yeah. he doesn't go in, then he's... He obviously didn't believe in that, you know, that engage right there and just let it go, right? Yeah. Let me give you the heal, healer highlight. Cleanse. Bing! You know, that's your healer <laughs> highlight right there. He cleansed him, right? Perfect. <laughs> awesome. You know, everything else, he's just doing his job, you know, just right. healing shit. You know, it's like, um, maybe I'll give you, like, a Rhaegar bite that takes out a person. That's kind of cool. Right. Or Tyrande Arrow or something. But the reality is the tank and how they set up the engagement, the positioning, 
how they you know and how they get there is really important um yeah you made me some dps stuff is kind of cool you know but the reality is the t- like the ones that are mechanically yeah. complex like the mayavs yeah. the genjis the tracers those ones yeah yeah genji ch- running it down you know that yeah right. i'll give you that and they make highlights but the reality is your healer is just you know not gonna but to me like alex Purgy's videos i love watching i love watching um i told you uh going in alone with a Cavalier guest, because once again, we're talking about positioning, how to position in a lane and, and what to look for in the lane and stuff. Right. So, yeah. So those videos are definitely, and then, you know, not paradox. Now when he does videos, he does focus all the, you know, and he does talk about specific engagement styles, like for Jaina and stuff. Okay. So, but, um, but generally, he generally talks about the combo and then how to get to that point, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, once again, but to me, warrior videos and how they're positioning and, and, and engaging, that's really kind of what I find interesting. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting is last week we talked a lot about content, you know, and is, is here's this term difficult to make content for because of the ever-changing environment, you know, because it's constantly being patched. Or, more importantly, people don't appreciate it. And this week, I think we had a lot of content come out from uh, HTC players and individuals who like are artists and stuff so i don't you know i think that sometimes when people are you know when they're getting into something new like should i make content or not there's always that self-doubt you know absolutely like, <laughs> right? and that self-doubt is really loud and so this mm-hmm. week you know we're going to be talking about you know we got a we got a full show tonight and uh we're going to be talking about uh jewel scott's uh podcasting uh blog article and where she talks about uh, you know the process of podcasting is identifying your strengths and i yes. think that that strength is a uh, figuring out what your strengths are is a theme when you do anything in life and, and in video games and then following up with that we'll be talking about the fall king's quest uh crest quest list which you know <laughs> there's a new event cues and yeah. c's yeah. in there that sounds similar <laughs> yeah. yeah and then um there's a bit announcement from heroes lounge we're going to cover that um, and then some HTC news, some retirements, and potential new blood entering the HTC. Um, then we'll go into the Hero Lab, you know, and we'll be talking about two uh, articles on Hero's Hearth, one by Droplets and the other one by No Tomorrow's Gin. Uh, then we'll be kind of discussing the team league changes uh, the last at least 24 hours worth. <laughs> and then um, we'll be going into the... Uh, the hero discussions from last week and then early this week, Rainer and Morales. And then if we have time, we'll review any of your thoughts on the, um, Oh, and then the last thing we want to talk about is the Reddit player, new player guide. I want to kind of emphasize that as well. So that's a pretty full cool. show. Yeah. So anyway, let's uh, start it off. Let's talk about some strengths, you know, so Jules Scotch got our second, uh, our second uh, blog article out there on uh, heroes hearth. And she's uh, basically it's 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 entitled uh, "Finding Who You Are as a Content Creator," and so her focus in this blog article is like finding your fearless voice, trying to figure out what it is you want to talk about, whether it's uh, YouTube videos, writing, streaming, what have you. And she talks about the process, and generally there's a process of like a standard format, you know, where you do the intro, and you kind of go through the. The kind of the things that we've been doing the last nine weeks, uh, <laughs> kind of just trying to find that standard format. Right. And then um, that's how you, you know, eventually you tweak it to the point where, you know, things are kind of predictable and homogenized. Right. Mm-hmm. But the first part, because it's not, 
it's not uh, ingrained. It's not a lot of muscle memory. You're still fumbling a bit. So, but ultimately, whatever creative endeavor you're trying to do, you're trying to figure out what you're good at, you know, and you're, what your strengths are. But the problem is there's this voice inside our heads that sometimes says, you know, we're not really good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or I don't and, have a reason to be doing this. Like I'm not exactly. a pro or whatever reason you tell yourself. <laughs> there's probably the, there's a list of a million things of why you shouldn't be doing something. Or anything. And, that's <laughs> short. Yeah. and then the list of doing it is really short. So I think one of the things, you know, I've discovered when I was kind of like, you know, a little bit lost about 10 years ago, you know, I was successful. I had a good job. Mm -hmm. um, I did. I was married and got divorced. Um, and I was playing some video games like World of Warcraft. And the reality was I was kind of stuck in motion. You know, I didn't go back. I wasn't I had my bachelor's degree, but right. I didn't really feel like I was competent in what I was doing at work um, to go beyond where I was at. And I, a friend of mine um, for Christmas, they gave me something, a book by the Gallup group called uh, Wellbeing. And in this book, it discussed it, it basically it had a like a quiz that you took and then it kind of explained the results of the quiz. Oh, okay. and, the idea was, and so the idea of well-being was that your well-being is made up of a, a number of kind of uh, domains. And one of them is knowing what your strengths are. So I was like, hmm, this is rather interesting. I don't know what my strengths are. Well, fortunately, there was a book on strengths that they also, the Gallup group well, also, it's called, it's called Strength Finder. So I took the Strength Finder and what it did was um, it kind of, uh, you know, you took about, a, I don't know, 40 question exam, but you had to answer the questions rather rapidly. There wasn't a lot of time to think. And that's always good. Yeah. And so after you did that, it kind of produced like it kind of gave you an analysis of what it thought your strengths are like, you know, um, are you good at talking with people? Are you good with, uh, you know, uh, selling things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it came up with like a profile for me. And I was like, well, this is rather interesting. I never knew what I was really good at. And it basically, it kind of said that I was really good at connecting people, you know, making people, making connections with people. And I said, you know, I can see that because of the things I do in life have always been about getting people excited about doing something and, mm -hmm. and going to do it. And I was like, huh, that's rather interesting. And then there's other aspects of my my personality as well, such as I'm good at executing and getting things done. But the reality was it was really about connecting people, which is kind of interesting because now I'm doing a podcast about, you know, getting people interested in here's the storms. <laughs> so, <laughs> the irony, and, right? Yeah. So, and I've always been kind of a vanguard, a trailblazer in my organization, you know, and with technology because, you know, I'm the first one to try it out. I'm the first one to get other people to want to do it. People usually want to resist. So I try to find out ways to get people to do it. You know, it's it's kind of that that whole. So it finally I figured out, hey, this is this is something I'm I'm kind of good at. So it inspired me to go back to school, get my master's degrees, both in the technology management field and an MBA, so I could influence and become a trusted advisor to executives in my organization. And oh, nice. so, I know this is the Todd Myrick story, but, <laughs> but the reality is, this one thing that helped me that was a book helped identify my strengths and it inspired me to go forward and work hard and, you know, finish my education, my master's level education. And I can, and what I think she's getting at in this article is that one of the things she does recommend is getting a coach. So like 
when you start doing something, getting someone that is going to objectively review what you're doing and offer you insights and things that you might have blind spots to. Right. So, and one of the things we were talking about is giving people feedback. The interesting thing about uh, Reddit is it gives instant feedback on anything you post. Mm -hmm. And I think the last week's article, that was one of the things is that I put something out there and I don't like the feedback I'm getting. It seems hostile. (laughs) I'm being downvoted. Right. Um, You know, I'm not getting, uh, I'm not feeling appreciated for what I do, you know, and why should I do it if I'm not going to feel appreciated? And I definitely think that's, you know, that's an issue that you're going to have to work through. Um, but the reality is, I think if you really want to do it, you're, if your passion is driving you to do it, do it. You know, you're not going to be good at it when you first start it. But if your passion really is to do it, go ahead and do it. And, you know, but then once you've done it a few times, look for those people that are going to give you feedback, you know, that is objective. And one of the things, if you're one of those people that's being asked to give feedback, the the number one piece of advice I can give you is care. I know that sounds kind of uh, trite, but when you care about something and when people know that you care about it, your feedback is way more valuable than if you don't, people don't perceive you caring about the feedback or them, yep. you know, um, it just comes off as just like, you know, hostile or, you know, you're just talking to win. So one of the things I do like with my staff and, you know, my coworkers and stuff is when I do speak up and it's kind of a barometer now, if I don't care about it, I'm not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to offer any criticism, you know, or any type of view, you know, because I've, some people, that's all they like to do is just offer criticism and you know, it's like <laughs> devil's advocate. And yeah. Stuff. Right. And that's, and that's annoying, you know, but if you really do care about something, I think that, that to me is the barometer for which you should start to well, speak. To just to add on that too, a few things. The, yeah. the 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 caring part of it is huge, right? So like, if it's something that you're gonna tell everybody you, you know about, right? That's huge, because like for me right now, the my feeding curiosity that that other wing of my creative endeavors, that's I everyone I meet. It, it comes up, not even thinking about it. I'm just like, yeah, I, you know, like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I work, go to school, and then, oh, I do a podcast, too. It's called Feeding Curiosity. It's this, that, and the other thing. And then I'm like, I got the guests like this. Like, I'm just always thinking about it, right? And that shows a certain level of commitment to the idea of it, right? Yes. And and, and then when you tell people about it, and they're, and they're intrinsically, like, when I tell people about it who have no idea what it is, they, like, look at me, and they have, like, a sparkle in their eyes because – the, the name of it, right? It, it sparks something in them, right? And then like, wait, what do you guys do, right? Then that's their next question. And it's just, you know, when you start getting that actual visceral feedback in, in person, it's really weird, right? And then the way I kind of see it is like these ripple effects start to happen, right? Like you talked to Jules about her her first article, right? So we're getting ripple effect there because she went and listened to the, the podcast here. And it's, it's really interesting to see how these like, these creative endeavors have their own like life in some ways where they, they feed off of each other because the yeah. more, the more you, you insert yourself into the other people's creative endeavors, the more that it bounces back to you and vice versa. It's, it's a really weird um, process to it. Right. And then the other part of it is that I don't think in the beginning you should really even, consider what other people are doing so much to say or even like worry about what's going on because if it matters to you you're just going to figure it out right 
like, you'll find the guests, you'll find the creative outlet. You just got to do it. Because wherever you're at right now is the perfect time to start. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, there is there could be, you know, um, criticisms to that, of course. But right. I think focusing on the positive, um, let's say you have, like, so whenever something happens where I work, you know, I usually go back to say, what is your strategy? What is your, like, so like a strategy to me is what direction you want to go. I want to go to California. Okay. Well, that's, that's the basics of a strategy. You know, I want to go to California. That's my plan. I'm going to go to California. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm going to California. <laughs> I go to California. So part of the strategy is I'm going to go to California. What are you going to, it's the who, what, where, when, why, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to define what I want to do. And when I get to California, I want to go see the Golden Gate Bridge. All right. Well, that's cool. So you put that down. Then you develop the plan. And I would say that we're, the one thing about planning is interesting is that like there's a whole career in planning now called project management. You can become a project management professional. You learn to draw really fancy uh, documents, you know, that mm-hmm. talk about scope and, you know, Gantt charts and talk about scheduling and all kinds of really stuff. And you get stuck Especially in meetings for all your days. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much my life. But... <laughs> The reality is, is that we are amazing at making plans. We can write the most detailed plans on the planet, but we're horrible at doing them. (laughs) (laughs) We suck at doing them. And so anything that you want to do, right, you should probably try to kind of figure out, you know, I want to go this direction. I want, and here's my, my plan. But then you want to get someone objective to kind of sit from the outside. If you really want to, you know, achieve something, a specific goal or something, external validate an external validation uh, that's objective. That's going to keep you on track. And, you know, life is full of like distractions and, you know, priorities and things like that. The fact that you and I have done nine episodes around the same time on the same day is a bit amazing. Let's <laughs> <laughs> so, think about it. You know, we've, we're strangers in the sense we've never physically met. Right. Yeah. We've managed to commit to making a, a scheduled podcast once a week. And we've done it nine times in a row without much planning, without like, you know, other than just like, you know, quick text back and forth. Yeah. A quick message. Hey, the same time. Yep. And then it yep. just shows up. <laughs> the content pretty much writes itself. We're just conduits to give you Absolutely. access to that. But we still measure each other, right? You know, we still kind of like we give each other constructive feedback and we're looking for that feedback from our audience eventually, you know. Right, yeah. But we've been iterating. So we've been kind of iterating. Same concept there. If you want to get good in heroes, let's say you want to learn how to play a warrior, develop a strategy that the I want to play a warrior and play it well or be proficient. That's a great strategy. But then developing the plan of how to do that, you what content do I look at? Where do I focus on in game? Mm-hmm. But then ultimately you're going to say, I need feedback. Now your team can give you feedback, <laughs> but eventually you're going to want someone to review your replays and, you know, you know, and help you see things that you're not seeing in the game or that you weren't aware of. And I think the same goes with podcasting, same goes with anything in life. External validation is important. The one thing you have to also be care- uh, careful of, though, is engaging people who might have what I call the curse of knowledge. So you typically your professors and organizations, your boss, a lot of times those folks are the curse of knowledge folks. The people that can't <laughs> don't know what it's like to be someone new learning something. Yep. They can't put themselves in that position. That's the worst advisor you can get. <laughs> it can be demotivating. It can make you want to quit. 
you know? Yes. And I, I think the other thing is having like a, another kind of important part of your strengths is being realistic, you know, that when you identify what you're good at, you know, you have limits, you know, like I know that I'm never going to be an HTC level player. I might not even reach platinum, you right. know, you know, my goal right now is to go gold <laughs> from silver, <laughs> you know, but I also feel like that goal specifically, I want to earn it, you know, right. in a sense that I want to climb up the ladder and deal with the, the ups and downs of that. Mm-hmm. So when I do make that next rank, I know exactly what it did to deserve that. It's one thing to do 10 placement matches and then get placed in gold. And that's where you're at. Right. But, I, you know, knowing what you're doing to get there is kind of that's an important thing for me. You know, so Absolutely. I'm OK being silver, you know, but ultimately, you know, I do want to find a team and, you know, maybe do a team league or or more organized play. So but. Yeah. So, yeah, this this article got me thinking about, you know, strengths. And this is kind of a thing for me. Like, it's like mastery is a thing for you. Right. Figuring out what your strengths are for me is kind of like that's one of the things I do talk to people about that I find that, you know, I meet people and they, they talk about their day or they they feel kind of lost. And I say, well, what are you good at? And they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> right. I think people. I don't know. It's like one of my things is, is finding the things that people care about. Right. And. Yeah trying to get people to to look at those things and be like all right why aren't you you know trying to maximize those things in certain ways right because like everyone at their core of their being they have something that they just haven't found it yet right that may call to them but we all have these things that even if we haven't found that one thing we have something that means something to us right yes so like for me i i found out that tanking is like my thing so i try to tailor my content to doing that part of the thing right i don't yeah. focus on doing anything else because i just don't think i have you know it doesn't really interest me that much either so <laughs> i don't waste time doing other things just because maybe the community wants that or something or other i'm like well if the community wants it there'll be someone out there that'll have you know more to say about it unless for whatever reason i'm i'm like i'm gonna play more supports and i'm scratching my own own itch in that way yeah and so for me it's it's kind of like i like to play support i've want to be dependable i want to be the anchor of the team that keeps you know keeps things together per se whereas the tank is responsible for the engage and the targeting of the who we're going to who we're going to engage on and support is to make sure that you can sustain it and actually achieve your goal whether you're playing world of warcraft or you're playing gears of the storm you're playing D, you know support is a very important role you know and it has to be someone who's not a glory hound you know you don't get a lot of you get a lot of blame and not a lot of praise of being a good <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a high risk fine. high reward yeah and you know and then if you can be utilitarian like if you can work in some utility which is one of the things i like about here is that the supports can be influential like they can cc they can um stun they can you know root they can you know they can cleanse they they, they have that kind of that Swiss Army knife of, of utilities right. if played properly. So um, they can turn matches. Rhaegar, love Rhaegar. I love biting people. I love bloodlusting sometimes. And, you know, just turning, if you have an AA team, bloodlust, because you can just, you can heal plus make everyone go fast and, you know, do more damage. So <laughs> yeah, it's a fun thing. But yeah, so this is a really good article. And I think she, you know, in her process of writing, it's triggering, you know, thoughts in my head about, you know, do we, focusing on strengths and one of the things i think that people that are complaining on reddit or on forums about here's the storm is they don't know what their strengths are they think they do 
but the reality is they're not willing. Part of your strengths is also making adjustments, <laughs> you know? Right. And, you know, I think sometimes people just don't realize that part of having strength and developing strength is you make adjustments. Not everything's going to go right. What did, you, what did you learn from that, that, that negative experience or that loss? You yeah. Know? And going from there. So, yeah, so that was a, you know, I enjoyed the article. I thought, you know, it's short, sweet to the point. Um, here's Hearth is going through a bit of a redesign. So if you're having problems making comments on people's posts, just be patient. I'm sure they'll get around to fixing all those little nuances. But the layout and the look and feel looks really nice. And, you know, you can and it's a great platform for creating content. You know, I think it's better than Reddit in some ways because you can, um, you know, do a build, you know, and it's very visual. Um, you can, yep. it's got frameworks for doing all that stuff. We're Reddit. We're just a framework for delivering news or opinions and things like that. We're not really great at the whole presentation of like a visual presentation. And such. It's there as a shotgun is the way yeah. I see it. Yeah. But things get buried if it doesn't get upvoted enough or anything like that, you know, the, the, yeah. typ- the typical issues that you'd expect. Yeah. So if you're thinking about creating content about Here's the Storm, I say go to Here's Hearth. It's a great environment. People are really supportive there. And if it makes its way onto Reddit, great. You know, um, that's where I put most of my content is on Here's Hearth. Um, the only content I will put directly on Reddit right now is the Hero Discussions because, um, you know, to me, I want I want that kind of small, intimate group of people that play the game and care about the game to give me feedback. And for the most part, the stuff I put up there has received positive reviews. I've gotten a few negative ones, but generally speaking, I also kind of think about what where they're coming from if, and when they're giving criticisms. Right. And it's, it's always taking it with a grain of salt, too. Yeah. So moving on, there was a big event, uh, the patch on Tuesday that dropped the reworks of both the, um, of Kerrigan and Brightwing and the Garden, uh, the, was it Garden of Terror? <laughs> Could we call it? Nice. The, the map. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, it's not called, it's not called Garden of Terror, is it? Yeah, it is. The new map? Yeah, called, yeah. Or the yeah. rework map, rather? I'm having yeah. one of those moments. Yeah, I'm having yeah. a moment. So the Garden of Terror rework uh, was out there, but the new event is called the Fall of the King's Crest. And with it, there is four quest lines that you can select. And the problem with these quest lines when they were kind of uh, presented in the game is they're rather confusing. In addition, <laughs> there were some bugs specifically around uh, tracking healing. Um, so, uh, you know, there was a lot of Reddit uh, posts about, Hey, this isn't working right. You know, so we had to, yeah. we had a lot of duplicate posts today. Blizzard did hotfix um, the, the games so that it is tracking your healing numbers, but on here's hearth elite sparkle wrote a uh, column um, that kind of covers all the list, the, the quests that are part of the, um, the event. Um, so one of the things you have to keep in mind is you only have 20 days to complete all the quests. So on October 15th, this goes away. Um, and so, you know, plan your time wisely because some of the things, you know, you might have to grind a bit in order to get some of the quests. Yeah, done. You, you definitely do. <laughs> so, um, there are four separate quest lines. Uh, each one of those quest lines has four quests each. And the final quest, uh, you can choose between two options. Um, you have to quit, uh, create the, uh, complete the quest uh, in the same order they're given. And the quest you want to complete, uh, you have to like select the quest you want to complete and then play that uh, games in order to complete that quest. 
you can only work on one quest at a time. Yes. Um, that that was a little confusing to me. Right. Because of the way that um, I just couldn't like, I wasn't sure if I could only pick like one of four or something like that. You know what I mean? But I figured. So remember, out. yeah, remember if you're gonna uh, try to complete a specific quest, you got to choose heroes that will help you complete that quest. If not, choose another quest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and each quest will give you a spray, initially, then a rare uh, vent loot chest, then a portrait, and then an animated emoji. Emoji? Emoji? Emoji. 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 <laughs> At least that's the way I've always and then when you complete, <laughs> And then when you complete all the quests, you can get, you'll get uh, two mounts. They're tombstone mounts. So um, running down the list, if you do Phantom Knight Z Z Zarya's questline, the first one's gather reinforcements. You capture six mercenary camps in, a, in winning games. So a lot of these require that you win the games. And then you'll get the Phantom Knight Zarya spray. Um, the next quest is called Toughen Up, and you have to win a game with less than four deaths. And this uh, will give you a rare Fall King's Crest loot chest. Um, the third quest in the series is win two games as a warrior hero. And then the final one is Outmatch the Phantom Knight, and you receive a Bulwark uh, Guardian Daredevil or MVP award. Um, any of these rewards at the end of the game to give you the ghastly ghost emoji pack. So I wonder if also that if Blizzard's going to kind of nerf these towards the end too. Sometimes they do that because they want people to get all the rewards, but it'd be interesting to see. They might. Um, I don't know. It seems yeah. like there's a lot of content there, to be honest. Yeah. So moving on to uh, Spider Warden Maev, uh, you know, you don't have to play Maev to get these quests done. You just have yeah. to choose the quest and then do the stuff. I don't know if this so, is worth really mentioning all all at once because it's okay. It's all visible in, in the UI now because if you, I'm looking at it right now and it tells you exactly yeah. what you need once you put once you collect click on one of them and it tells you reward now too. Okay, you're just telling me to shut up. <laughs> no. <laughs> give it more value you know if this is easily found via the link and stuff like that or even in game true i hate the guy that reads the powerpoint presentation right exactly <laughs> i'm the guy reading the powerpoint presentation <laughs> but i do think it, it is important to note that uh you know that you want to switch your quests if and choose the heroes based on the quests um a lot of people are doing it in ai because it's much easier to and predictable yeah that makes um, to sense. get these things done um, if you have a group of friends, it might help you do that, too. Um, the one thing is the tower quests. That seems to be the one that's um, the most challenging because that that uh, map doesn't come up all the time. So you might have – and some people have said it's taken them 20, 30 games that aren't even uh, get it completed. So keep that in mind. Um, but, it, you know, Not Paradox did a little commentary. He said, you know, this kind of reminds me of the achievement uh, quests in, Heroes, in World of Warcraft. Um, for like dungeons or raids in the end. I, t I tend to agree. You know, m that's the one thing my group of friends, when we play World of Warcraft, when we do uh, mythic dungeons and stuff, we like to try to do those achievements. Um, and the interesting thing is if you do the dungeon ones, the achievements for the mythics, you get them out as well. So it's mm -hmm. kind of an, in line. So I, I, I'm good with this like once or twice a year. I mean, I think that they're going to, they're definitely getting a lot of feedback and there's been some issues with execution. But overall, I think it's, you know, it's going to be a fun event. So Yeah, it seems like a really um, cool event, to be honest. I think it's really well done, and they got a cool, like, you know, the intro, like, quest to it and everything like that. It was really cool. 
Yeah. Very different. And the thing is that you do have to go through that intro when it first starts. So some people complained about that, you know, <laughs> um, on Reddit. But, right. Because you know, it takes over their screen and they have 15 seconds of like, you know, animation and stuff. <laughs> but for the most part, it's okay. Yeah, I like it. And I'm looking forward to completing some of these, you know. I, 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 the question is, is, will I put the time in to do them all? And that's, I mean, I have this weekend to probably do it. So maybe, <laughs> but we'll report next week on our progress. That's not so. Yeah. I'm going to try to at least do the ones that I think I care about most skin wise. So we don't really get the skin actually. So Eric, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you ever played like, um, like rec league or like bowling leagues? Have you ever done anything no, like that? When I've never done that? anything like that. You never did like rec, like played Little League no. or Pee Wee or. No. Nope. Really? Huh. See, when I was growing up, uh, rec leagues were kind of a, a thing. You right. know, like I, I was, you know, I did Little League. Um, I did bowling a lot. And my parents, they bowled on leagues. Uh, um, and my parents would like to watch the Pro Bowling Association, the PBA, mm-hmm. and watch. And it was like Saturday, you'd watch this thing on television. And, you know, one of the things I guess. Growing up, is league play was kind of a thing. Now, there's always been some issues with league play, like you know, was there coaches not you know helping the the, the players and stuff like that. But for the overall, though, my experience with league play has always been good. And one of the things I guess I hoped when playing Here's the Storm was I'd find four other people and maybe join a league. Right. You know? And when I first started playing Heroes of the Storm, I was deep in school. So when I, the game got released, I really didn't have a lot of time to play. Mm-hmm. But when I graduated, I started having more time to play. And, you know, there was leagues out there. There was one called Chair League. But I tried getting into that league and it was really difficult because I didn't know anybody. So, right. but now um, it looks like Heroes Lounge, uh, who have been hosting European leagues for amateur okay, that's and, why i know the name i was like wondering why yeah. i knew that name they announced today that they're forming north american leagues so this will be like you know a set period of time mm-hmm. you'll form a team you'll register the team with them i'm not sure if there's any fees I, i'm pretty sure it's free but there might be some fees we have to go there and you can then participate in like organized here's a storm play so you can if you really want to focus on being a support uh, you can do that you with your, your own itch. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, Heroes Lounge gets a lot of, um, you know, positive re- uh, feedback from the community. Let's uh, say uh, Caldor is a big fan of uh, Hero Lounge. Cavalier Guest is a guest host. He will like the featured matches and the playoffs and stuff. He announces them. He's the caster for that. And so they today they on Reddit they and on Heroes Heart they announced that they are forming a North America league now, and so you can start signing up, start getting your teams together. Um, they're even advertising for positions for content creators, uh, people to moderate their um, their Discord, their Twitch channel. Um, so if you have any interest in organized league play, uh, you now have a new. Uh, place to go while they do encourage you to sign up on their website they really want you to join their discord server first and then sign up on their website so uh pretty cool i'm looking for, uh you know the one of the things i did make a comment on there is like not decisions decisions do i <laughs> apply for one of the positions or do i uh, do i apply to be in a league right yeah players? what do you want to do like 
they go, you can do both. <laughs> so like, I got like six people saying, you could do both. You can do both. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I don't think I'm going to do both since I do the Reddit. Um, yeah. Moderation full-time right moderator. And we have this content that we do here, but, um, but I am going to see if I can get into one of the leagues and, you know, yeah, uh, I'd like to try to. Unfortunately, my, my schedule is pretty full right now. So, you know, get again to well, school. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because then you have to practice, too. So right. it's not just playing I can't just play for, like, practice. you know, I got to put, like, maybe probably one full day of Heroes, you know, eight-hour day of, of Heroes only. And I don't know if I can then, really squeeze that in right now. <laughs> yeah. And then um, towards uh, next week, Learning Fives will also be posting their invites for okay. the There's next so much stuff group of... Uh, so, yeah, so Learning Fives is a is a um, coaching um, organization. So basically what you do is you register, you have to have your placements done. And then they, if you get selected, you'll be placed in one of their coach. The coaches will select you. Um, and you'll either be in a silver group or a gold group or a platinum or, mm-hmm. um, and you can also apply to be a coach. If you, um, if you're pretty good, I think they want platinum or above to be coaches. And then you coach okay. two divisions below you. So like if you're platinum, you can coach silvers. If you're masters, you can coach gold, or plats, you know, and so it moves kind of like oh, that okay, way. that's really neat. I like how they do that. Yeah. yeah, and so it's a really good community. You learn the basics of Heroes of the Storm. Um, they do it. They help you figure out what your strengths are in your hero pool. So, mm-hmm. which I and then you get a group of people. You do have issues with scheduling though, because it is kind of volunteer. So you'll a lot nine times out of ten, one of your your teammates is not going to show. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, but you can do catch-ups and things like that. Right. So, um, but they'll post that probably next week and we can feature it again here. But I just want to uh, get that out there. So so that pretty much is the news except for moving into HTC. There was a couple announcements this week. Do you want to cover that? Yeah, so let's see. EU side of things, they had Quacknix announced his retirement right on the HTC. There's a short video of him talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um but basically, he's going to be sticking with the team until the end of the Crucible. So hopefully not getting the Roll20 knocked out of the Crucible. And then, actually, I think if Roll20 gets knocked out, they stay in, right, as an org. But the players just leave, and then the old or the new team gets moved in, right? Not so sure. There's, I think the um, Lerhorn, uh from the Reddit moderator for, for uh, Heroes of the Storm has, uh, has information on, okay. on the, the top cool. post today. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then I also saw a tweet, I believe yesterday, with JPL uh, from Team Dignitas has announced that he's going to be looking into full-time streaming and just playing other games. Um, he, he talked about a certain mindset stuff that he had when he was, not now, but I think last year, he was the drafter and shot caller and kind of removed the fun for the game for him. And then uh, Wubby took over and started doing that. And basically he said that having that amount of stress on him, even though they were winning, it kind of took away some of the heart that he had for the love of the game because he's obviously they're playing at the highest level there is. Right. So it, it's not always just, it's not, it's not just I'm playing a game and getting paid for it anymore. It's like, this is my job. And if you don't perform, then it sucks. Right. <laughs> and, uh, who else? I think NA had, I can't even remember who had NA had. Do you know who, if anyway, any had any announcements on the? I don't recall any major. Yeah, ones. I don't think any major ones. Surprising on NA. A lot of the EU EU side of it, which is interesting, because we all think that EU and Korea are kind of like the top two 
regions right now, or at least by numbers. And so when you have the best tank, or one of the best tanks, uh, leaving the scene, that's a huge void to fill, right? <laughs> and then Quacknix, even though he's on a lower tier team, he's still one of those people that's really well known in the in the uh, Heroes world. And so by him leaving and becoming a streamer, he opens up a new spot there for someone else to fill in those, that role, which is interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, the next couple of weeks, we're going to definitely see some people retire. And this, you know, there's a lot of people that are calling for the doom and gloom. They say the game's dying or. You I don't know, think it's anything to do with dying. No, it's people have put three or four years of their life into it and they want to change. You know, yeah. it's like you got to, you know. It's like any other job, right? <laughs> yeah. They just happen to be on this, screen. <laughs> this gives uh, opportunity for new people to fill in, you know, to come back, you know, and to. You know, some players and maybe just didn't make the cut. Maybe they get another shot at the pro scene, you know, right. if they really are passionate about it. But I do think that here's the storm, you know, we'll have to, you know, the, the HGC will have to address some of the issues that are going on with the game with regards to uh, length, um, the format. I think the biggest thing people have problems with is the formats for the playoffs and and those types of special events they feel like they're not given enough time or you know the, you know there's there, it's easy to get bounced and stuff like that and you know this season we saw a lot of pro teams that were top of their game lose key players and so and it was difficult for them to you know recruit a new player right away um, for their team so and you know, the other thing is, is that there is this parity issue with regards to the Crucible and, you know, people might not want to invest in teams if uh, if they're going to if they get knocked out of the of the league. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's really it's such a weird dynamic. Yeah. And then I think there's the specter of the fact that, you know, Overwatch League, which is Blizzard's, you know, million dollar baby buy in league. You know, <laughs> where there's big money, big prizes that's overshadowing what they've done on the like like here's a here's the storm is kind of like the bush league you know yeah you you can make like a hundred thousand dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars um maybe you know it's like whereas like you know you talk about um overwatch league it's kind of this it's like the major leagues the nfl it's right you know it gets a lot of attention it's as close to a real sport in esport as there is currently i would say Like at least and, in, at least in structure, because there's like franchises and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I mean some of the leagues like you know League of Legends and um, you know uh, Dota, they're trying, they they're doing it too, they're doing it in CS:GO and those types of things. But I think that um, I would say the Overwatch League is is very much architected to be like a major sports franchise, you yeah. know, in that sense. And absolutely. So, here's the storm kind of is going to suffer a bit being the the second banana in that (laughs) well you know it is it's and Mm -hmm. i i think the players are starting to kind of you know this players have been doing it for a long time and this is their full-time jobs they're starting to ask themselves can i do something else you know and they need some space they need room to grow and i mean some of these guys are getting pretty old you know they're as old as as old as i am or if not older right they kind of kind of ask themselves is this something i want to do for the rest of my life Well, some of the teams in Heroes of the Storm, the pro teams, or that's all they do is eat Heroes of the Storm, where others, they actually have a diverse diver- <laughs> They're an organization that has other right. tentacles and other, you know, gaming franchises. So, right. you know, so like 
that's a challenge too. It's sort of like the small leagues in baseball, right? That, you know, small market teams, they don't have the, the New York Yankee uh, payroll or ability to recruit. So they have to farm it up and, and stuff and that's okay. But, you know, these are all things that, um, you know, will eventually have to kind of be addressed some way, shape or form. The biggest thing I, my my feeling, though, is the biggest thing I like about HGC is the casting crew. I think that they're some of the best casting. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, not to, you know, I think that they're they they they're all very uh, knowledgeable about the game. They're passionate mm-hmm. about the game. You know, they really care. You know, I mean, and I don't really get that same feeling about the Overwatch League. It feels like they've just been dropped in there. You know, I don't know. You know, I haven't really watched a lot, but when I've watched yeah, it, I it's kind of like. It seems very homogenized and very sterile, you know, very, very. Yeah, know. there's no like uh, character to the people. Or chemistry, yeah. Yeah. There's I, no I chemistry. Yeah. Like, I so, know, like Caldor and Trixler, those guys, I mean. Chemistry. They, there's like, yeah, there's like something there, right? You know who's who kind of, and they're just, you know, they, they, they have fun with it, right? And they have like their own styles that they bring to it and all. It's just unique, right? It's yeah. even though they. You know, at times they they're fun and silly, and other times they're really professional about it. And they have like this really good duo that's yeah. developed around it. And I think that kind of, that kind of thing is what brings the what makes it special in some way. Yeah. So, and yeah, I think from the other thing is that Overwatch does lead into that league play. I think that here's the storm. If they add some type of league play, like League of Legends or Dota Two has, that's a bit more organized. Um, and uh, engages people, I think that might be healthy for HGC. Yeah. Right now, and I think, that, like, we well, we can talk about the changes to the Team League if you want. Yeah. Um, the, rec- the recent change to Team League, you know, is making it very approachable now. There's no barriers to entry, per se, other than you uh, feeling that you should be able to play ranked versus unranked, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that was a great change. Now, People complain are concerned about the quality of the matchups um, and the potential for you know toxicity and abuse, but I think that's always there. I mean, yeah. the fact you know removing that barrier of entry now. So like when I play Hero League, I could only play Hero League. But then if I didn't want to play Hero League, but I still wanted to draft, I was forced to play unranked. Right. You know, if I was going to be a solo player. Now, I, to me, to be honest with you, I think unranks you know unranked draft it's not going to get as much attention anymore. I think people are going to just, because it doesn't have the experience rewards. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go play, t- you know, if you play oh, team, I didn't even think about it. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. You get bonus experience, bonus, you know, you get bonuses. So in a sense, I think they're, they're kind of putting uh unranked draft out the pasture, you know, per se. Yeah. But I think they um, also, I think they also realize that people aren't playing unranked draft that much. I don't know. I think by taking this barrier, I think you're going to see a lot more people not play on ranked draft. And well, that's what I mean. League. Like they're just going to yeah. spy, like they're just going to use team league as the as the go to mode if you're playing and want to be competitive and have better match quality. And then if yeah. you want to continue doing ranked, you just play solo queue. Yeah, and so a lot of the um, the comments on Reddit today were, "Hey, team league queues are fast. I'm like seventy second queue versus." You know, my uh, Hero League match where I'm taking five to ten minutes to get a match. <laughs> so, so people are definitely taking the incentive and going there. I'm not sure if people are calculating the XP and gold rewards or not, um, but they are they are noticeably moving towards that, that model right now. 
And one of the interesting things I saw on Reddit today was um, someone said, hey, it's great to see Team League, you know, become you know, more approachable and more people. Now, Hero League needs to have the um, the draft order, or the, the swapping of draft positions like Team League does. And they also recommended also having queuing for specific roles. So I think that would be a really good addition to, you know, to make each league, uh, draft league, um, you know, uh, unique in its experience. I think if Hero League was a league where you dr- you selected if you want to be the tank or bruiser support yeah, I would like that healer. a lot. You know, we talked about that. Further homogenize the the wave, the how you play it. Yeah. And then you can focus on the specific roles you want to do, right? And more importantly, you know, they could also add an MMR based on the role you selected, which is something you said. Also, very as, a, as a side note, which I think is a really yeah. interesting concept. Um, so League of Legends is changing. So they do a by-year seasonal structure like by actual year for their ranked play but what they're doing next year with their ranked plays they're actually getting rid of so the your rank is by your role okay so the so if you're a you know a silver or gold top laner that's what you queue for and they're not going to be placed as the other roles right so that because there's like the roles themselves have intrinsic skills like if you take a silver top laner you put them in a support player role they're completely different skill sets and so that person's going to suck. So it's really, I think that's really cool because then it gives players more agency over what their rank actually is, right? Because then you can go look, yeah. you right click their profile and be like, okay, this guy's gold, right? So you assume a certain level of skill, but then you look at like what he plays, you're like, oh, wait, this guy's a gold damage dealer or something like that, right? It, it, I think that's really helpful because like, that's what I wind up running, doing a lot of times when I play any of the ranked modes, I, I right click the person's profile. I'm like, all right, what does this person play the most? What does he win with a lot? You know, I do that extra legwork, right? Because it's not readily available on screen. So, how do they enforce it, though? How do they so they, do they limit the heroes that you can? Pick? It would just be well, you pick your role at the beginning, and then it, I don't know if they limit your hero pool or not. But if you want to be a troll, I guess you wouldn't do that. But like. I guess initially you'd have to hope that the person picks the right role or something, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's a ranked thing. Like if it's ranked, it's fine. Right. You'd assume that the person has enough knowledge. I mean, obviously there's always going to be those weird ones that just come out of the woodwork, so to speak. But <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and I could see it being like, cause like the biggest, like when they add the new rules, uh, the roles in uh, here's the storm, probably by BlizzCon, there's six, right? Yeah. But so there's, Warrior and Bruiser, right? So there's that pool, you might say, where you select one or two or, you know, one of the two or the two. Then you have damage dealers, right? So you have ranged and um, and melee. Right. Will you select just damage dealer or will you select one of the two? And then finally, support or healer, you know, I mean, so there's kind of like, you know, I can see that being kind of, it'd be interesting to see how they they do that. And here's the Right, yeah. I mean, for League, it's a little bit more... um, specific to the to how you play the game right by the role where heroes is a little bit more lateral movement i guess you'd call it where you can kind of pick and choose what you want to play with or against or like adapt to because <laughs> you have a lot of weird comps that kind of show up i mean even even now i see things and i'm like this shouldn't work and then it like winds up being ridiculous because you know we're not playing on a <laughs> so the other thing is is that if there's you know, one of the things also, if like there's a shortage, right? 
will there be indicators to let you know that, hey, they're looking for supports? Right. Um, you might miss your queue times if you use support or warrior. You know, they need warriors or even the random guy, right? So, right, yeah. You know, pick a random role and then you get you get told what role you're going to play. I feel like if you're playing, I mean, these a, are all so- kind of if you're playing as a solo in Team League, I commend you because that's pretty daunting. Yeah. Because, I mean, even if you have three other people communicating on the other side or two, two two and three or something like that like or two two one and you're that solo guy like it's a you're you're fitting into someone else's game plan right or two other groups of game plan (laughs) it's all because if it all gives a crap it's your fault if it all works it's not your (laughs) you know yeah one thing i will say is if you're the one thing i I, the one thing i do i always have voice enabled you know so yeah i do too one of the things you know and that might be good or bad um, one of the things I do recommend you seriously decide if you're going to do that. If you're easily triggered and, you know, and like to yell or like to type a lot, disable <laughs> chat. <laughs> Maybe that's not even the mode you should be playing because you're probably going to get banned eventually. Yeah, if but, you get if you get heated, you need to yeah. figure out why that's the case and f- kind of step back, I think. Yeah, I tend to make it light and fun, you know, I right. generally speak, you know, but there's times when I get, you know, <laughs> I think brawls, you know, when I play hero brawls, I get a little bit more triggered about things oh, really? for some reason. I don't know why. It's just like the brawl. It's like, you know, because you could be winning and doing really well right. and all of a sudden they start feeding and rolling in one at a time. You're like, stop. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, you know, that was, uh, you know, the whole team league change this week. Uh, so far, the last 24 hours, positive. <laughs> good feedback. It's pretty on good. I, like I saw like Trixler talking mm-hmm. about it. He's playing with insomnia and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So yeah, so so hopefully uh, give it a try. Uh, let us know what you think next week. Um, and like I said, you know, if you're looking to develop a league, you know that there is this new uh, you know Hero Lounge. They're forming their own league, so it's a, you know I think it's good times. And I'm hoping that by BlizzCon, we have something even more interesting developed, like clans or you know they they start taking that framework out of StarCraft too, and they start putting it into Heroes of the Storm. Like in here's in StarCraft. It used to be that you your rank was if you played like different races, you were that if you were masters, you're then you're gonna be playing that's like if you played Terran to play Zerg, you'd be having to play Master Zergs. Well, like within two years ago, they've implemented the system where if you are a master's Terran and you queue up a Zerg, well, you're gonna be whatever you are a Zerg, you know, like if you're silver or bronze. So it encouraged people to learn other races, you know, and not feel like they, they would be killed as soon as they went in there. And yeah, around. to build off of that, I think, um, you know, just like thinking like for the re- remainder of the year kind of thing for, for heroes with BlizzCon and things like that, this patch was massive, right? We got two hero reworks with some of the oldest heroes, a new map rework, right? Yeah. So so right now, I think this is literally like leveling the playing field, so to speak, right? They're like, okay, mm-hmm. look, who are the last heroes that we can touch before next year? Um, what do we want to do looking forward into the HGC for next year, right? Because BlizzCon and the Crucible, I think, is it Crucible or Playoffs this week? And I think it's Crucible. No, Crucible. It's Crucible? Crucible. I think it's, yeah, Crucible's next weekend, I think. Okay, yeah, so it's Playoffs, then Crucible after. Um, and then BlizzCon. So... The way I see it is like with this map rework, the d- design team really took the lessons they learned from the last few maps. The uh, with the cursed hollow being one of the staples of uh, HGC, also Tomb of Spider Queen being a staple as well. And then they 
took the newest Alturk Pass, even though it hasn't been played in HGC at all. They think, I think overall, they, they viewed it as a success. And then with the rework of Garden Terror and how the pushing mechanic, I was I was literally just thinking about this today before we got, I got like on the mic here with you guys. And the way I see it is like they took all of the elements that make a map fun from like those core group of maps, even Towers of Doom, right? Because you have to channel objectives and it's a contestion point, stuff like that. And wrap it into the rework of Garden Terror and, you know, removing the piloting mechanic and the pushing mechanic is very much like Tomb of Spider Queen, but with the own flavor of the of the terror. So I, I just really like how, you know, the, the, it just really feels like they're really gearing up for what they plan to do for next year. You know, and they, I think they're going to have some big announcements, maybe not something big while at BlizzCon, but, you know, in the you know, month or so after BlizzCon, like January 1st. Yeah, I agree. And then the season, the season is short this year, too. It's uh, season four is only going to like December 14th or 15th. This oh, year. wow. OK, so maybe that maybe they're gearing up for a uh, rework of some sort with the uh, with the performance based matchmaking and things like that. Maybe a visible yeah, MLRs. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I mean, I assume that at the very least, what we'll get is the um, role role readjustments and reassignments. Yeah. You know, I think that'll be one of the more, if like, not soon TM type changes. <laughs> so we're today's the twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. We have until probably October tenth will be the next like you know balance changes right where they'll make adjustments before BlizzCon. So, and this will be locked in, you know, uh, the 10th will be the, what the teams will be locked into playing at BlizzCon. Right. Yeah. Um, so any changes to Braywing or Kerrigan or. Those will all go Terror live. Right. Or, and then it'll be like maybe right. one more new hero that won't be alive for BlizzCon, I assume. Right. Well, my other assumption is that either that Friday of the 12th, <laughs> you know, well, the Friday of the 12th, they might um, announce a rework. Okay. I, I could see another rework being announced. You think rather a rework know. rather than a new hero? Because I think Junkrat last yeah. year was the one that went live just prior to BlizzCon. Yeah, it's possible they could have a new hero. But I, I, I'm don't predicting... don't do reworks in a row is my only point of bringing that up. Yeah. Well, the only reason why I'm saying I could predict another rework is because Tassadar, right? You know, he doesn't oh, yeah, really fit they keep, into they the... They keep mentioning him, especially in that balance anime. Yeah. So I can see Tassar being mentioned, you know, as like a rework. And they did talk about adjusting uh, um, Blackheart's Bay. They didn't really want to. They said they were going to tweak numbers. That's what they at first they said rework. And now they're saying, like, tweak numbers or tweak things and stuff. So, OK, um, so that was what the hints where we got at the uh, the last AMA. So that's what I, my prediction is like that, you know, is announced Then it, you know, PTRs along with any other little minor changes the week of the 15th and then it goes live the week of the 22nd right you know so that's a full week of stuff you know and then then blizzcon's on the second and third of november and then you get the 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 new uh heroes and there's probably gonna be two right you know two maybe three they might announce the third one going into into january but they usually announce two it's been their trend but you're right. They could announce a new hero before BlizzCon too, and have a you know go live as well. Um, I you know I don't know. I mean you know I mean I, I would to be honest with you, I'd rather see the tacit RB work because yeah. then I know they're committed to the rules for BlizzCon. <laughs> yeah. 
that's my my thinking there. Yeah, Tesser, then, I think is probably what the the next sore spot, I guess, in, in terms of uh, supports. Yeah, and I think that by addressing that, and maybe a Perbius, because some some people feel Perbius is a little underpowered. In, they in say the his, by the numbers he's overpowered on the yeah, dev, on the dev side, which is funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I you don't know, know either. <laughs> But that's that's my thinking. And then, you know, I'm hoping if you ask me what I hope for BlizzCon, I do hope that they they focus on. You didn't let me ask. Organized the question. I'm upset now. OK, Go ask <laughs> no, me a question no, if you ask you what you hope for BlizzCon, you just answered it for yourself. I like that. <laughs> no, but I, I my hopeful BlizzCon I, heroes. I don't really care about. I mean, to me, they just keep coming. But right, I yeah. want to see game. I want to see things that make people want to play the game. My bucket list, Arthas remodel. Yeah. Just people give them a higher fidelity model. I'll be happy. But one of the things people have been kind of harping about here is, is how are they going to attract new players, right? Yes. So BlizzCon is the only place where you can, you know, kind of do that. So this quest is a good example of something. If they start putting stuff like this in PvE events like they have last in the early part of last year, there's like little like five-man brawls that you ran through like kind I of like a dungeon make, like the content like this right where you're getting quest rewards like you feel like there's something to do other than just play the game right because if you're just exactly if you're just playing the game that means you enjoy it already to some degree right, right. like there's some reason you're already here for a reason besides just playing like it, it you know where like now when you have these quest rewards that incentivizes people to like actually put more time into it and enjoy it and like get to know it a little bit better because you're you know, when you're when you're learning these things, right, the it can be like why, like you said, we have to make up our own reasons to play. <laughs> exactly. And, and and when you think about it that way, it's like, man, it kind of stinks, you know, because, you know, for me, I can tell you a hundred different reasons why I, I enjoy the game. <laughs> right. And, you know, and the, the one main reason being it's I just love the character design, right? The the. I don't know a lot of the lore, but I know most of the lore to be able to be like, dang, I love playing this hero, right? Or like, this mm -hmm. is the one hero that drew me in. Or like, I'm not even a StarCraft player, but I love Blaze's like concept, right? You know, and he's, if you yeah. really dumbed it down, he's just a fire bat, right? But there's something cool about like the way they implemented it. Um, but yeah, I, I just what? find it hard. There's like a weird barrier of entry almost to like get, sink your too much time into the game or enough time in the game to really get a rewarding. Like, let's take Diablo. Their ladder system. It's a seasonal event. Mm -hmm. They have seasonal kind of themes and stuff. I mean, they really got laddering down right in Diablo 3. I mean, um, they need to take that and put it in each HTC or Heroes of the Storm. They need to put they need to put that kind of mindset into the laddering system of Heroes of the Storm. Not just give you the, the welfare mounts and you know the, right. the welfare yeah, the, badges. The, the ones to log in, you know, log in, yeah. get, get your loot, don't play a game kind of thing. <laughs> right. Like getting so many wins is like, you know, or, you know, incentivize people to play and continue to play, you know, and, you know, and the more time they put in, the more rewards they can get that right. are. And te technically you could say, well, you get loot boxes and you can unlock skins. And yeah, yeah, okay, yeah I definitely agree. I think loot boxes only go so far. Right. You know? I mean, how do you how do you like it? Like the fact that, you know, I was shooting for 100 wins uh, this season. I fell short by five, you know. Hey, that's pretty um, good. <laughs> that's because I took a three week break break. Yeah. And I also, the, way. the season, well, the season before I had an extra month. Right. So I didn't know how oh, to like, kind of, Oh, I didn't you know, even think about that. 
Right. And so there's, and then the, the other thing about, uh, this is a complaint, but when you look at your season, you know, and they look at the bar at the bottom, you can't tell when the season's going to end. You just see it like it's progressing. Yeah, like I wish there I was a full inch left. I wish there was a full. There was a full inch left on the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> last weekend. I'm like, how does anyone know when the season's going to end with that kind of? Yeah, like, I kind of look at it. I'm like, yeah. all right, we're halfway through. I got time. And then all of a sudden, it like two weeks later, j- jumps up to like three quarters. Like what? <laughs> I was predicting an extra week being tagged on yeah. to the whole. <laughs> you, you could probably trace back our conversation to last week's podcast before it. Like, yeah, yeah we think it's uh, you're like I mean, we're going to see an announcement for the new season soon. And you're spot on. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, What's next anyway, on the agenda? Like, yeah. So I feel like we beat nice to death a little bit. <laughs> and so, slash end rant. <laughs> let's talk. I do want to talk about something real quick before we get into here. So. I saw a couple of posts on Reddit last week or over the weekend, like, hey, I still suck. I'm still bronze. I don't know what to do to improve. Right. Okay. These posts. Oh, I did see a few of those. They always they always come yeah. out right at the end of the season, too. Yeah. I suck. I'm still bronze. I don't know what to do. And you can and people say, well, focus. The number one thing is people say, focus on your mechanics. Yes. Question is. Where is there a comprehensive resource to focus on mechanics? Like, how do you do? How do you find that? So it turns out that we, the Heroes of the Storm moderators, have a wiki on the sidebar of the Heroes of the Storm subreddit that has an entire section on mechanics, and it's called the New Player Guide. And basically, it's designed. It's a series oh, of links okay. that have links to resources all over the I internet. I don't know why I've never seen people, this or noticed it. People don't. People don't. Well, if you're on your mobile client, you're never going to see it unless you click. Uh, on a certain That's button. why 90% of the well, time I check yeah. on, you know, going to the bathroom real yeah. quick. I'm going to see what's up and over here. Yeah. <laughs> and we do have sometimes like we did have an auto moderator that would look. I think there is an auto moderator that was looking for people asking questions about like new player stuff. And it would, there would be an auto moderator that would fire off a message saying, hey, check oh, out the okay. new player guide. From, OK, so so two things. One. If you have content and you want to put it in there, message the mods. Number two, the next two to three weeks, number four weeks, the road to BlizzCon and after BlizzCon, there are going to be new players playing Here's the Storm. Be nice to them. Point them to this resource. Help them. If they want to learn to get them to get better, make them aware of this, these resources. And also here's Hearth and all the other places. But we do maintain this comprehensive resource for new players. You know, it explains everything. Now, that being said, that content's kind of old. And recently, uh, here is hard. Yeah. Um, looking for more esports um, uh, player droplets, wrote a nice little article called Basics of the Storm. And in this, he talks about the five major roles, the tank, the support, hey, soul. I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick, so if I don't respond, just continue. Because <laughs> I, I read the article, so I don't... <laughs> Hopefully we edit that out. <laughs> so anyway, uh, looking for more esports droplets. He wrote a uh, quick guide for tanking. Basically, it's the basics of the storm, and it's for tanking, supporting, solo laning, uh, main ra- main range support or main range, and then flex. And in his uh, article, he kind of goes about what each role is and what their specific job is. So for tanking, he says, "What's my job as a tank? You're the wall for your teammates." More importantly, he talks about your responsibility is to uh, peel for your teammates. I get in the way of another team trying to kill them or take them out. And also your responsibility is to 
uh, engage. Okay, and so you're the one who everyone should wait for you to go in and to ping the, the person that you're going to attack or stun so that the team can then go and, and all focus on. So you have to learn if you're going to play that role of the tank, how to use the in-game notification systems of pinging and, you know, that kind of stuff. In fact, for all roles, you should know how to use the alt uh, key and clicking abilities and such. If you're a... Uh, of you're an assassin, you got to you know learn to click your your heroics so people know that if they're on cooldown, not to engage. So that's one of the things you should be doing across the board. But as the warrior, as the main tank, your job is to you know obviously be the wall, engages. That's you know you're the responsibility for engaging. So making sure you're communicating so people know that they should be following you and not going off on their own unless it's unless they should be doing that. And ultimately, you're also to get in the way of the other enemies and to stop them from killing your healers and your uh, squishies. Um, in addition, as a, as a warrior, your role is also to provide vision. So sometimes you're not to be in the lane. You need to be kind of anchoring um, a bush or something to Ooh, provide vision. So one of, the, one of the things I can say right here about, about this one is it's not even standing in a bush sometimes. So like one of the better ones, one of the, one of the better examples that I think is like, overlooked for that kind of example is the when your team is taking a camp right so say you're the tank you're in the middle of that camp right you're tanking the minions or something you're more you're better off being off like in the middle of the the jungle and scouting for your team so that if the enemy team tries to invade you they you have more than enough time for them to be able to like hey back off the camp or like finish it really quick because i'm going to slow them down right i think that's one of the really important ones that people overlook with that kind of thing and the other thing is, is that, you know, um, one of the final thoughts he says about tanking is your game plans change about every two minutes. Um, <laughs> well, you might have a good engage. You might not have a good gauge. Um, so think about that in terms of the warrior. Your job is to regroup everyone. So if you wipe or you have problems in an engagement, it's you. You are the, the role that's probably going to get everyone to refocus and, and recommit to winning the game. So I think that, you know, like I said, we're great at making plans, but we're horrible at doing them. Well, as the as the tank, your job is to be the project manager, keeping everyone Absolutely. on task. <laughs> so figure out a way to communicate. And, you know, if you turn off chat, if you don't use voice comms, you are at a disadvantage as the main tank. Kings are you your know? best friend, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, as I was saying before you took your break real quick. Yeah. Is you got to ping, learn the alt ping, you know, your abilities so people I, know what to and I do ping, that all of the time. Yeah. And I usually don't say like ping group. So, like, I usually say, well, I'm calling it ping group, but ping assist, like, I need help. As mm-hmm. the main tank, I ping that like three times usually to say, I'm ready to go in. Let's group and fight, right? Mm-hmm. And then I ping, I'll ping my alt like twice right before an engage to give my team that heads up like, hey, I'm ready to go ham, right? You know, like I'm going to look for this hard engage right now. Um, otherwise, I think the the remainder of that is, is basically your team having the awareness to not um, <sighs> do something silly, like over push, right. like, like pushing too far, like... At, like say right after an objective, your team kind of gets it or your team loses it. So then you're say you're like off lane or you got like a specialist. He goes down to the bottom lane and he starts pushing hard. 
that's yeah. that's just signify like that's just a ringing dinner bells for the enemy team to be like, hey, he's pushed up to the front gate. He's vulnerable to being killed, right? And, you know, that's probably like Azul or something like that. Um, <laughs> and then he's just dead, right? And then that puts your team yeah. back, and then the next objective is spawning, and you're like, well, now we can't get that one too because he, you know, wasn't paying attention enough. And yeah, wh- One of the guys I've seen or I've heard about warriors and, and tanking is there's an invisible line, right? There's a visible line yeah. right down the middle of the map. Don't go across the other I hope side of the map. one day someone talks about the things we talk about too often. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we brought this one up before too. <laughs> well, it's an article. And yeah. so, but, you know, you don't stay behind the main tank. Right. You know, that's Absolutely. Across that line. He's the one that's allowed to go and then you follow him, right, or her. And more yeah. importantly, um, you know, with regards to chasing, the worst thing you can do is chase because your goal is objectives and your goal is to get imbalance in the game so that you can take advantage of it. If you get a takedown, great. Um, What you should do, should you continue to try to take down other heroes? Possibly, but follow the tank. Let the tank make that decision and support their decision. Don't go off and see Lily running away at like one or two percent health. (laughs) You're going to finish her off. Yeah, especially don't try to chase kills like that because I think in heroes especially yeah. it's more worth to get a cooldown out of something and not a kill like an alt right mm-hmm. like especially a lily right to continue with your example mm-hmm. like if you get her cups out and she's like almost dead still and they're not re-engaging you're good you won that fight because now the next mm-hmm. time you fight she's not going to have it um and the, for someone mm-hmm. like lily that's huge right because that's where majority right. of her healing comes from um exactly. yeah I, and i think the other part too is that w- understanding that the role you're playing in the sense that I picked this X hero, right? So I picked a warrior or something, or you picked an assassin, understand the limits of that hero. Right. And like, for me, I'm so used to having a warrior and like the health pool of a warrior. Right. So then when I play an assassin, I'm like, Holy crap, my dad, like the, you know, the percentage amount of damage you take from any given other hero is, you know, almost exponential. Right. (laughs) It it seems like this is like a, just like side thought uh, tangent here. the, it seems like with the removal of armor from the game, the way that the game that the designers are now tackling that is by giving tanks more HP again, right? Right. Buffing the buffing the the baseline sustain across the board because that's right. the only way they can do it because the the armor was a hidden ma- modifier that was multiplicative per point of healing, so it's right. a little convoluted, right? Which is it's fine, mm-hmm. but it it just seems like they're 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 having this battle almost internally to try and figure out what they want to do with it. Yeah, and I think and then man is the other thing that right. they're kind of the other tuning knob, so to speak. Like, yeah, I like that idea too. So, so moving on in the article, um, they then he talks about supports, and basically the concept around supports is that you're the insurance policy. You're the one that kind of <laughs> keeps the team from dying. Life insurance. So positioning is your positioning is in very very important because if you're too far out, you're the focus of the other team. You're going to get killed. And you're going to cause your team to lose the team fight. You also have to manage your cooldowns. And, you know, you have to be mindful of what cooldowns are where and how those chain the cooldowns, if possible, get them to cycle faster. And um, basically, these two things, the cooldown management and your positioning, are crucial for team fights. I was playing, um, what was I playing last yesterday? Was I playing Taranda? No, I was playing Ana yesterday. And I was it was my first place in a match. And we were playing on Cursed Hollow. Mm-hmm. I was positioned close to um, 
our towers on the bottom position, you know, on the far left. And our warrior, we had a we had Stitches and we had Diablo. Stitches Diablo oh, as our Jesus Christ. <laughs> we should and we were winning. And then the Stitches and Diablo stayed in the very top lane and were late to come to the tribute. Oh. I'm in position. Someone else is in position. Instead of like anchoring, getting someone to anchor the bottom part, they all went top. They were late and they were top. So what happened was I was um, close to the edge and an Azebo managed to put a wall of zombies around me and kill me. You know, that was because he also he did the combo where he put the uh, the thing. Now, I did what I could to stay out of that. But if they were there on time or ahead of time, we could have anchored that and won that match. But because they were late to the team fight, you know, and out of position horribly, it turned the team. You know, we had no healer and they lost the, the tribute and basically the game snowballed the other direction. Right. We were like we were three forts ahead and we pushed the bottom keep and we should have won. So now you could say, well, what did I learn there? Because as as a sport, I lost vision. I didn't have vision of the Nazebo. That was my problem and because mm-hmm. my warrior wasn't there. I should have sat in the towers is what I should have done. <laughs> yeah, you should have been nowhere mm-hmm. near being engaged upon, yeah. right? But being late to a team fight, not communicating you're going to be late to a team fight, not even being aware that you're going to be in a team fight was really bad. So. Right. And, and that triggered me. But as a support, uh, you know, positioning and quota management. So I made a mistake in positioning. They made a mistake on the whole getting to the tribute on time. So always try to be ahead of schedule. Be, to be early is to be on time. You get 30 seconds warning before any of these events occur. Mm-hmm. You should, within 15 or 20 well, seconds, you should be heading toward the objective. I should also to just kind of throw my two cents at it too is, is that as a tank, as a main tank especially, you should be the first one there all of the time. Because almost 90%. Ninety percent of the main tanks have zero wave clear, except maybe Johanna, yeah. right? So you mm-hmm. shouldn't be wasting any extra time clearing a minion, or doing a camp, or anything like that, because you just aren't the one that should be doing it. Like you could, you can ping things and tell your team to go do it, but if they're not doing it, you're, you're wasting your time, you know. And you got to be there to make sure your team isn't walking into death bushes or something like that, because it's better for yeah. you to do those things than it is for anyone else on your team, because it takes one second for those people to die. And they have no way of saving themselves. Yeah. And this year, Blizzard made a conscious effort to let you know where the next event is going to occur. Yes. What Even it, before the seconds? warning bells. It's, it's like 30 seconds yeah. before no, and then you get another 30 second timer. No, but after the event, like after you like complete an event, it tells you where the next event's going to be. It, like, oh, yeah. it shadows it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So yeah. I, was, I forgot know, that the, the first one is the only one you don't know. And then the, 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 everyone after that, it tells you. Exactly. So you should be in position no matter what. So. Yeah. It's on so, you. <laughs> so moving on, soul laners, uh, you know, basically the job of the soul laner is to soak and to out-soak your opponent and to get your get your team a kind of advantage through soaking. Um, so that's generally, and to anchor a lane specifically, um, if you can, like play heroes that can do split soak, uh, your goal then is to soak two lanes, allow your team to get a four stack. So um, there's a lot more to his article there if you want to read to it, but it's kind of the TLDR part of it. And then um, uh, he goes into uh, the last one is the main ranged. Uh, 
you know, what's your job? And that's your job is to be the playmaker, the guy who's chunking and bursting. Basically, what the tank points at, you should be attacking. And everyone should yep. be attacking what you're attacking. So if everyone's not attacking what you're attacking, they're doing it wrong. So I find uh, that, um, well, just in general, back to design topics, is they're probably going to be doing some adjustments on on with the solo lane coming forward. Like we saw the main, the first one being the mana stuff, for at least the main um, solo tanks right, or solo laners right now. Um, I think it would be interesting to see a world where we have solo laners like um, Phoenix show up more prevalently. But I, I don't know if the solo lane is ever really going to change so much because the game incentivizes layered CC in the form of main tank engage followed by some other form of semi-CC like blaze engage or URL slow slash knockback. So I'm just thinking off my feet here, but that's just kind of a, a separate tangent there. Yeah. So, um, and then he anchors the, uh, the article with the flex role. And basically here is, you know, it's a wide range of, of, uh, heroes, whether they're specialists or assassins, um, or bruisers possibly. Um, the goal here is to establish uh, basically a three, a strong three-man or four-man push, basically. And um, so the goal of any type of flex role is to kind of make sure that there's a strong three or four-person um, uh, group. And to be flexible, um, basically you're filling in the specific need for the map. Like sometimes I'll play Zeratul. You know, uh, Zeratul is great on certain maps because, you know, his ability to self-heal, blink in, kill, blink out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some some of them are junglers, you know, so they jungle real well. Uh, uh, what's the uh, the Lost Vikings? Uh, great flex role because they can soak multiple lanes. They can bribe camps um, so they can help you stay, get ahead and stay ahead. So. Le- learning when to use flex roles and when to and and how to play them is very important. Uh, they pointed out he's some of his uh, examples of good flex role players are Tassadar, Junkrat, Genji, and, and Phoenix. You know, all have good soak, all have good uh, sustained damage. Um, sometimes they don't have the damage to kill. Uh, well, like Genji does, he's a finisher. But like yeah. Junkrat, Junkrat, I can get hundred to 125 to 150 uh, hero damage on Junkrat, but only have like three kills, right? Because my bombs are just bouncing everywhere. I am <laughs> making it, you know... Junkrat is suppressing. chaos, basically. Yeah. And I'm I'm uh, hitting them out of position, right? You know, I'm getting people... Yeah, displacement. I think displacement is undervalued for Junkrat, um, specifically. Tassadar creating the walls and uh, mm-hmm. you know the the whole uh, Templar you the know wall where is out, also uh, synergizes with Diablo's shadow charge it creates yeah. it creates a physical wall for Diablo to get his combo and the off. shields and yeah. the shields that are either draining life or you know giving life here and Phoenix you know Phoenix, Phoenix <laughs> anyway so yeah so <laughs> yeah. and he he kind of ends it like there's different types of damage uh, the flex mm-hmm. roll as well. So, but there's going to be a part two, and like I said, uh, oh, you cool. know, I think this is one is one of the best new articles out there for new players. And just, you know, hey, if you don't know anything about Heroes of the Storm, but you're coming from Dota or League of Legends, this good is place what, to start. What, yeah, it's a good place to start. Absolutely, I agree so much. Then uh, another article on Heroes uh, Hearth appeared from uh, looking. Uh, hold on, gotta get my links. 
It was decision making by uh, No Tomorrow's Jin. So uh, basically, Jin was kind of just kind of outlining a framework of how to make certain types of decisions in Here's a Storm. And he talks about, uh, you know, specifically uh, the map having visibility, uh, you know, uh, what's visible there, uh, what's logical and, and, and um, uh, kind of structuring the thought process around that as your baseline is what's visible, what's uh, what's visible information, logical information, and then what's just visible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he, or, no, I'm sorry, he breaks it down as, I'm sorry. It's visible information and logical information. Then he breaks down the visual and then logical components. Then he talks about wind conditions. And this is something a lot of people will, when you take like uh, learning fives, they will say, when you do a draft, what is your wind condition? So after the draft is over, like if you're watching an HTC match, after the draft, you should ask yourself this question. How is team A going to win? And how is team B going to win? And what is the, and how can you identify their win conditions? This is something we learned in Learning Fives. You know, it's like, you know, it's great to draft to a win condition if you can do that. Um, but also just like analyzing the draft and then deciding and then see if you can identify what the win condition would be for that team. And is that like team fights? Is that yeah uh, play? Um you know, I even think the, these the, just understanding the terminology used here is really important because a lot of these things I think are thrown around a lot for the majority mm-hmm. of these players because people just assume if you pl- play the game, you understand terminology, right? It's like if you play chess mm-hmm. or you play football or if you like you watch football, they're just going to say football terms, right? <laughs> this is like learning that kind of stuff for Heroes of the Storm. I, I think that's re- just just for learning how things are defined is really important. Yeah, and part of the, you know, so when you're identifying win conditions, you also have to think, you know, what are the hero's talents and how do those talents synergize? I mean, yeah. you already know their main abilities, but can they do something with their talent builds to either add more sustain, more damage, more support, you know? Um, and then is those, as they're choosing their talents, does that change how they engage, you know, um, right. per se? And, and if so, how? Like, and then ultimately... <laughs> Good. They're good. So, so just as an example, real quick, the the so Urel, her level four talent that gives the armor, right? When she uses her E on the, on the allies, mm-hmm. that talent incentivizes a double support playstyle, or just incentivizes mm-hmm. a playstyle where your team wants to group together and have like almost an unkillable frontline, and you know that changes how you play the game because you can be more aggressive earlier in the game on average yeah. because you have that one hero with that one talent. You know, and yeah. you couple that with other heroes like, that give armor, like Uther maybe, or even if you just go straight from there and you just go like, I'm going to go Taronda, and you get two burst heals out, you know, you pick that spread heal talent. It's it's like you can win all early fights, especially with Hunter's Mark. Yeah. A lot of people that pick um, Karazim on like maps like um, Battlefield of Eternity, they're looking to get an early advantage in team fights. You know, um, get experience, you know, win a team fight, you know, or get a couple of kills with Kerosene and then get, take that experience lead into uh, the, you know, to the match. Um, or they pick Sylvanas, right? I played a six minute and five, 6.5, six minute, 50 second t- Battlefield of Eternity um, the other day. It was Hero League match. And we had Zarya as our main tank and me, me playing, uh, I think it was Taronda. No, no, it was Anna. I was playing Anna. And then we had, you know, I think a Junkrat, and something else and 
we snowballed. The game, the match was pretty even until the first. Uh, oh, we had Thrall. That's right. But um, yeah. it was, you know, but we got the first Immortal. And, you know, because you have Sylvanas, she's shutting down the, the fort. That Immortal went all the way to the core, <laughs> you know, and we just got enough picks and, and takedowns. Uh, and I was sustaining enough. I got MVP, <laughs> but <laughs> six minutes, 50 seconds, we win the game. Wow. And everyone was like, this is, yeah. Like, I mean, it Speed wasn't like running. I said, the, and it wasn't like the other team was poorly drafted or anything like that. They were beating us in some, in the takedowns and such, but we just got the right, you know, combination of hero. Right. And, you know, and we just walked to the victory. I didn't know that. I didn't think we were going to win. In fact, I thought it was, eh, our draft wasn't that great. But once again, Knowing your win conditions, knowing how you can talent into the to get those win conditions is important. And also what cooldowns are important, right? Because part of your your team fights is managing your cooldowns. So especially the heroic. For certain for certain heroes at least. And then the last section he talks about with this, you know, um, decision making is knowing how the you know, the structures, experience, and minion waves work. You know, we've discussed this a few times, you know, a full wave of minions is worth a takedown. So you shouldn't really leave a wave of minions crashing into a fort unless yeah. you're <laughs> going to get those takedowns. So experience is important. And one of the aspects of experience is that there's no um, indicator other than the team experience of the importance of experience. Like in League of Legends and Dota, you have money, you have currency. Yeah, actual physical gold. Right. So it's important to keep an eye on the experience. I think someone also wrote an article today about experience, too. That's good. Um, on Reddit. Okay. I just, yeah. So one of the things I can then, say you know, about okay. lane management real quick is say you're rotating, like, say you're, as, as an example, you're the solo lane and you're top lane and the objective's all the way in the bottom area of the map. The best thing you can do as you rotate and say your, your mid laners didn't, like, um... Like, they killed their wave and left. But now there's a new wave that's getting there as you transition through, right? Um, one of the best things you can do right there is not even, like, just burn, like, two of your cooldowns or, like, one of your, like, most area-effective cooldowns to just weaken the wave a little bit and hit as many of those minions as possible. Because by doing that, it's going to slow push your wave forward. Because yeah. your wave, your minion wave is going to win. And even though you're not going to be there to get the experience, it'll help you in the long term because you'll get more experience anyways. I, I think little things like that is really important because it, it tips yeah. the odds in your favor. It's it's analogous to getting a camp, but without the added you know benefit of the camp itself. One of the reasons why I like watching um, Cavalier guests uh, going it alone, he does talk about minion wave management in the solo mm -hmm. lane, and that's where I learned freezing. You know, and the importance of learning how to freeze waves and freeze lanes. Mm -hmm. um, so he's really good about showing that, or even so. Right now. The, the meta strategy for solo laning is you don't take risks, right? <laughs> you just basically <laughs> out-sustain and you don't take any risks. And, and if you happen to get a takedown in your lane, more power to you. But then you got to think about it. You know, Do you really want to try to take those towers down? Because there's risks associated with that because mm -hmm. you can get rotated on. So these are all kind of like decision points you have to make now about playing the solo lane uh, in, in the meta right now right. this is due to the, the fact that towers have unlimited ammo um yeah uh, this that and the other thing um so yeah so he kind of just talks about the basics setting priorities and then how to freeze lanes and then more importantly there's a strategy of doing nothing right you know um not trying to do something that will get you t uh, killed 
um, and sacrificing the other, you know, sacrificing any advantages your team have. I hate seeing the soul linger die. And typically the reason why the soul linger dies. You never die in 1v1 as a soul yeah. linger because you're well, just reason, overstepping. Right. I mean, that's the first. If anyone's going to analyze your video, they're going to say, why did you die? Were you too far forward? Right. Were you trying to get an advantage or did you get rotated on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are usually the two reasons why the soul inner dies. They were too far forward and or they, they got rotated on <laughs> or they got rotated on. Yeah. So and as a as a soul laner, you also sometimes just have to leave. Right. You might think, well, my job is to stay down here and anchor this four man push on our bottom tower. No, leave. <laughs> Go give the advantage someplace else. Go jungle something. If you're going to lose a fort, you're going to lose a fort. It is, it is what it is. One person's not going to stop four yeah, or five people. But, but the best thing to do is just not be anywhere near it because as soon as there's a mini wave, they're going to dive you straight yeah. up. Unless yeah. you have help. <laughs> so it concludes with something called active decision making. And, you know, that's kind of the, the goal of this a visible and logical mindset or structure to making decisions is that you make what's called active decisions, you know, decisions that it's like riding a bike. We it's, talk about tasks. Well, it's, it's first. It's, it's what is it? Uh, active versus active versus reactive, right? Right. right. I mean, it's sort of like a, a, a master player playing in bronze. He knows yeah. his abilities. He knows what the other team is going to do. He's the master and the commander. He can play Nova and get kills and takedowns, you know, and the other teams is like just stand there going, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, it's a good, these are bookend good articles. Like the first one kind of sets the basics, what you need to know. And this one kind of talks a little bit about that mindset, how you make decisions. And here's is about making good decisions. All Life is about making. I was going to say life is good decisions, is it not? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, probably nine times out of 10, the reason why people make bad decisions, is they can't predict the outcome of the decision prior to it occurring. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, if you have no way to predict what the outcome of a decision is going to be, then, you know, you're likely to make a bad decision. So one of the things like, you know, watching videos and reading build guides and, you know, watching HTC, it does help you start making those active decisions. It becomes a passive kind of like a reinforcement tool, but ultimately you start to kind of subconsciously ingrain, hey, don't go across the middle. <laughs> These all become active decision-making because you're trying to reduce risks or you're trying to get an advantage. Yeah, I think that's why too, is it's really good to articulate some of these things because sometimes you, you kind of learn these unspoken rules and don't mm -hmm. think about them, right? You just kind of do yeah. them because you, you just kind of learn it through feel, right? It's through uh, anecdotal evidence and all that kind of, you know, whatever right. you want to call it or label it with if you want to get fancy. Um, but when you start articulating to more people, I think it really starts to solidify as a process, right? It's taking it out mm -hmm. of feeling and turning it into here's a, like a checklist of, right? I'm like, what, what do I need to do to win here, right? And you can do that with every hero. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of like what we talked about last week with the cool solo lane tank breakdown. Right. It was, it was stuff like that. And the only thing I'll say that's kind of challenging in Heroes of the Storm is when the game first launched, you know, it had, what, 30 heroes. That mm -hmm. was kind of its, it was launched. So the number of combination of heroes, and there were specific heroes that were designed to be very kind of new new player friendly. You know, Lili, uh, Rainer, um, uh, Muradin, you know, th these heroes were specifically designed to be uh, new player friendly. So learning the basics of the game and the nuances was not, it didn't take a long amount. It didn't take a lot, a lot. Mm 
-hmm. Now, with New Heroes being released almost every month or bi-monthly now, you know, whatever, um, there's a lot more information. And so there, the the standard practices for Heroes of the Storm are a little bit more convoluted, you might say. You can still, you're going to have to consciously make decisions of like, what tanks should I just learn to play with first? Um, what supports and what warrior and assassins should I pick first? Um, yeah. In order to kind of learn those basics, those standard practices. And I think that maybe an, another the good article might be who, like if you're trying to learn standard practices of Heroes of the Storm, which heroes should you buy or focus on for a period of time um before yeah. you like spend a good week off. with that hero like level eight <laughs> so i learned something the other day that it takes like 30 hours to kind of learn something or master something you know um or for it could take up to 40 hours of 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 practice in order to become proficient with something um, whether it's uh, ukulele playing or you know podcasting you need to spend about 40 hours of time now you can get the basics within a real short amount of time especially if there's a step-by-step -step. right but to kind of like get the kind of the full feel of it it takes about 40 hours and so it was one of the things i was wondering is like and here's the storm is i can tell my level of my hero but it doesn't really tell me the amount of time i played on that hero it doesn't tell <laughs> your skill level of the hero right right but even as a barometer, if you feel like if I played, um, like I know I've played Thrall a lot. I think I've put over 40 hours on Thrall. I right. feel pretty good with Thrall. I know I don't know Maiev very well. I probably put maybe two hours on Maiev. So maybe if they would be ads, like some type of amount of time played on a hero, that might be helpful. Because... Well, does it match his play then, It could be. You could say, if you say the number of matches and then times it by 20, assuming that's the average, 20 minutes per right. match. exactly. That might give you a good idea. Yeah, that might give you a good idea. Yeah. And that's, yeah, maybe it's a close. It, it's not an exact science. It doesn't have to be exactly 40 hours. It's just the idea that you've put enough time. And and at first, you're just going to be tolling around with it. But when did you put conscious time in to learn specific builds, mm -hmm. positioning, and things like that? And I think between those two guides, decision-making, but more importantly, the uh, the LFM uh, the, guide, the droplets guide. Yeah. That might good framework for like saying that a play is important well, there's a good uh there's actually a book side note for this it's called talent code mm -hmm. by dan coyle and it basically looks oh, at, yeah it looks at the the scientific process of skill building right it took you okay. know it, it basically breaks down and looks at the scientific process of how you get better at anything you do right mm -hmm. and uh a lot of people would say talent right is a thing Talent, mm -hmm. talent is is the the active process of putting t effort into something. You know, active learning. He calls it in his book, which is structured mm -hmm. learning to get better at X skill. Right. So if you look at Heroes of the Storm, everything you do is can be broken down into a skill. Positioning is a skill. Landing your abilities is a skill. Learning how to, you know, all of this stuff. Skill. Period. And mm -hmm. when you actually actively say, I want to get better at X, and put your time to it, but the real big part of it is is doing error correction that is where you get better because when you try to minimize your errors that's how you do better period and so you have to go into a game be like all right i want to have a goal write it down swear to god and then you go in and like did i do what i wanted to do and if the answer is no what did you do wrong explain it to yourself and then take it to the next game do it again right and if that same is you know they say like you overstepped your bounds right you went over that imaginary line make a conscious effort to not do that right it's it's like it's pretty simple, right? It's pretty straightforward, but it's it's something that's 
that we don't think of because we think because a lot of us in society view skill as something that we're born with, right? Like, oh, I'm just not X, right? <laughs> That's right. the wrong way to go about it. No, and I think you and like I said, you know, um, I I totally and I think I have that book too. I, to I love that book. I, I was re- teaching myself how to play drums while I was reading that book. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing! And I was doing handstands uh, for some re- random thing too. I was like teaching myself how to do that. <laughs> I was teaching myself the ukulele, you know, yeah. by structured practice and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because like you, know, you can just do some basics. And like I said, you know, developing competency is the goal. Right. And you know, um, but I think it would be kind of interesting if people said like, "Here's the Rainer framework for learning Rainer," right? You know, and kind of said on this, like just like anything else, this week do this. There's just like maybe even put quest rewards, you know, like yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, really that, cool, like. <laughs> So, like, say it's like every other or like every three levels, you have a breakpoint as a Rainer. Like, like mm-hmm. instead of just saying level up your hero, right? They could turn it into like hero mastery, right? And then every breakpoint, say like at level ten, it has like these stats that you should have completed, right? Mm-hmm. And those are your like your breakpoints of like, am I actually doing what I need to do as Rainer, right? Right. Uh, Diablo heads uh, the challenge modes, right? So it's something similar to that, right? Yeah. Where you Diablo does have your- like. Uh, a challenge rift where you have like a set of gear that gives like empowers certain abilities and then you have to complete it in a certain time. Right. With the, with in a certain piece. way. Yeah. In a certain yeah. way, basically. And it does teach mechanics and, you know, synergies and things like that. Well, too. Yeah. It teaches oh. you how to play builds. Like, you know, yeah. Diablo is kind of like a little cookie cutter in the sense, like how the armor sets work, but in, in, in yeah. just an overall sen- standpoint, it teaches you how to play effective builds, right? barring barring meta out of this discussion but yeah yeah <laughs> so let's wrap this up uh, let's get the last uh, the Two little the yeah for the hero lab yes um which was the rework uh the rework of rainer we did a hero discussion last thursday and we left it up over the weekend nice. and it was pretty popular um to be honest with you though the discussions themselves there was not a lot of like, you should do this build. It was kind of like, you know, do I like the rework? Do I not like the rework? Right. Here's a couple of things about the rework. You know, that kind of stuff. It wasn't like, you know, hey, I'm finding this build to be really, you know, really effective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because he's been tuned a lot since the initial rework was back in July. In fact, he's continuing, to, even at his last balance patch, he got a little bit of... um Basically, they're working with the the base attack damage now. I think it was. Yeah, they just nerfed it by like two damage. It's like nothing. Yeah. Because they they so, they removed the scaling. I think the prior patch, right? Yeah. So now now it's just the standard four percent per per level. Right. Right. So when it comes to builds, though, you know, pretty much the standard at level one is to take Ace in the hole. That's the 15 damage, uh, deal 15% more damage to stunned or slowed enemies. Yeah. It seems to get the most bang for the buck. It's, it's so, I don't know, there's so much force synergy in his, like, one and seven right now. Yeah. That I don't see why you wouldn't take that, you know, unless you had, like, no, the seven is where the slow is in there. So, yeah, ace in the hole is just too good with, if you're pairing it well enough with the frontliner. Because most frontliners have some sort of crowd control built in anyway, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then um, at level four, you know, this is the sustain uh, level. Uh, you can most people are choosing between behemoth armor, which is the gain two hundred uh, bonus maximum health. Yeah, it's a, um, a quest town. Yeah, or they go with uh, fight or flight, which is the uh, 
reduce the adrenal adrenal rush cooldown by ten seconds. Yeah. Um, this is this was one that's contested by Caldor a lot because he always talks about it. He's like, the the cooldown is just way too good. And yeah. Tim always I, says like, well, you can if you can stack it up easily, like if you got a Diablo or something where you can just keep poking from a distance. Or yeah, I think, I, don't know. I think that's something you would take in a quick match setting where you yeah. don't know if you're going to get a healer where you know, or you're going to get And where you know the game might not end at 16 minutes, where the game is most likely going to go to tw- level 20, 21, or two, 22 right. even. Yeah. You know. Then level 7 is the unstable compound, increases the area, uh, the area of give them uh, some pepper by 15%, and enemies hit by it um, are slowed. So that's the, 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 the talent synergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, slowed enemies give 15% more damage, so you're getting that talent synergy. And in some cases, you might take what's called heavy slugs. Um, it's an activatable talent that increases the distance of the next uh, penetration round by 30%. Oh, wow, that's um, pretty... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the synergy, right? That's built. Yeah. That's another one of the slowing synergies. Right, so you keep slowing your enemies. I yeah. mean, slows are deadly, you know? So. I think they do a lot more than people realize, right? Because they're not a stun, yep. so people are like, eh... And then most people are taking the Rainer's Raider, you know, the little, yeah. uh, the little. I yeah, think there's still an argument volume. to be made about going um, Hyperion, especially on yeah. maps like Tomb of the Spider Queen or something like that, where you're going to be sieging up with a. Yeah. What was it? In the old Rainer, you could actually like the level 20, you can make, you could, or you could take a talent where you would, for takedowns, it actually uh, increase the, um, uh, like it was on like what a, a one minute or t- one minute thirty second uh, cooldown. And it was like you could take ten seconds or fifteen seconds off per uh, takedown. Oh my god! So you could have high that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's one of the. Oh jeez. Uh, that was the old rework. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, that was the old. That was the, yeah. So. <laughs> god, get out of here! Right, like it's a lot. So then, uh, level thirteen. You know. Um, uh, a lot of people are taking Giddy Up, which is the 8% movement speed uh, while mounted. Yeah. Uh, and then Inspire gains 10%. That's kind of like, you know, the standard, uh, most popular build. Uh, in more sustain-oriented builds, you might take Rally Cry, which has increased the duration of Inspire by a second. Mm-hmm. And Cast Inspire grants uh, the, the nearby... Uh, it's basically like a bonus to your heroes and allies. So um, so you're basically like being a support in a sense Yeah. <laughs> with that. Moving on to level 16, you know, uh, Bounty Hunter, which is give them some pepper targets. Uh, um us some pepper's target is the hero. It deals uh, an additional 3% of the maximum health. So it's like a, kind of a, the beginnings of a, um executioner talent. And then, uh, yeah. going to stand alone, you paint in red, and that increases damage uh, penetration rounds by 50%. So that's more in the self-sustained build area. And then level 20, uh, a lot of people are taking execute, which is, you know, when you have that much range and all that kind of stuff, it's, it kind of just makes too much sense. So yeah, the rework has definitely made Rainer valuable. I, I have been seeing more Rainers get through the draft now because there's more, uh, <laughs> there's more fear of like Asmodan and, uh, Kerrigan. Oh really? So I, yeah, I see. I don't know. Like I think he's still bannable. <laughs> he's definitely bannable, but I don't know if he's always viable, you right. know? Cause like, his damage is so reliant on being able to land his abilities, obviously, and then, like, obviously any hero. But, like, I don't know. It just feels like part of it is just, like, if you're engaged on too heavily, he doesn't, you know, put up enough to be able to dissuade a team from engaging hard and things like that, you know? I just find, 
it's just weird, right? I don't know how to explain it in a, in a concise way because I haven't really been able to see it, but it's just kind of like there's better mages in some ways, right? Yeah. Like, I'd rather see, like, a good Li Ming sometimes because then really Ming gets resets and has more kill pressure. Well, I think there's a lot of subtleties to Rainer still that we haven't seen yet. I mean, for the most part, yeah, slows, stuns, you know, and, and damage are good. But I think there's still some subtleties to him. I don't know if he's as easy as the pickup as he used to be. As He might be, you know. Mm, I don't know. I feel like the easiest hero in the game, I don't know, not to say it's good or bad, is probably Lili. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. But I definitely think Rainer is still the hero that can teach you how to auto attack and position. He's the one he's got. He's the one here that can teach those two things to you. So if you have to learn those things and he's cheap, he's still like what, you know, he's like the cheapest, one of the cheapest heroes in the game right now. So, you know, if, not, if you don't get him for free, you're going to get him next for nothing. Hey, can so. I mention a side note real quick that I just found out? Sure. There's character specific Halloween banners that I just found. Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned this. For all of the skins for the heroes, mm-hmm. it's freaking cool. Sorry, I was just totally. I was just looking through the shop as we talked. <laughs> yeah, someone said fifteen new banners. Oh yeah, my it's God. crazy. <laughs> like there's like all these hero specific Banner. ones for the four heroes that they got the skins, and they're matching the skin tints themselves too. Side note: mm-hmm. If you're into that making outfits thing, because ha, huh, fashion and heroes of the storm. <laughs> it's Sorry interesting that. is that yeah, yeah but his his win rate is around fifty two percent. Oh, wow. you know, and his popularity is still about yeah and his popularity is still around 59 percent. so wow you know they made rainer great again basically um yeah i mean i think they really did a great job with rainer like he, he doesn't feel old anymore you know he feels yeah. he's obviously viable because he's picked quite often in uh He's a great value if you're new to the game and you don't have a lot of gold or stuff yeah. you know you pick him up really cheap and i you know highly recommend it you know He's, he's and he's fun, you know. He's still pretty fun to play, you know. So he got there. He's just and then good. he's just solid, you know. He's solid, and then um, on the corollary to that is we had Morales, another hero. That was Morales is like one of my first. It was my first support that I played, and he oh, was really? when I got into playing. Yeah, and she's been reworked a few times. Back in uh, September 2017, she had a full rework. I'm not sure if and I then she had a number of... and say I'm sorry about you playing Morales as your first hero. <laughs> I don't know. I like <laughs> the skins and stuff. I don't know. And it was a support and it was easy to play. Yeah, and, I guess uh, I could see that, yeah. A, yeah. I mean, I was playing Lily too, but I mean, you know, I played her first and, you know, she had... She had a little subtlety to her and she was... She's actually a new hero. She was released like sometime in October, per se. Oh, okay. And so when I got into the game, I got into the game, I think, at the, in the December 2015 or 2016. Um, it seems like 2015 is about right. Yeah, that does sound right. She just came out like a few months earlier. Hold on now. So she was released October 6, 2015. Yeah, so I started playing in December of 2015. And... Um, yeah, so Leoric and uh, Morales were my first two uh, master skins that I got. So I do know that. Leoric all the way, <laughs> baby. I love Leoric. <laughs> I was actually just playing him recently. He's actually seems pretty good. And as a support, she's, you know, it's, I thought she was easy. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I put that in the description, but then the community said, no, 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 she's medium. I'm like, really? I mean, you said easy? I, I mean, I get Le- 
I thought she was easy, but she I was medium uh, difficult. I don't know. I would say she's pretty easy because you do one thing. Like it's. Yeah. Put know? your beam on someone. Don't yeah. run out of energy. <laughs> Manage energy. And then like, obviously the nuance is managing your. Um, well, okay. So if you take medevac, there is some skill. And I will <laughs> say that I was playing a match and I, I did the medevac wrong and my team were like, we were winning. What and was the, so wait, go back. What, what's the right way to use it then? And then what did you do wrong? Oh, I didn't put down the, uh, the, the, I basically short hopped. <laughs> oh, okay. I've done that before too. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah. And, you know, cause you have to put the where you want the medevac to go and then everyone jumps in and then you go there. Right. And I didn't do it that way. I screwed it up. So I think it was like a left click and a right click. I think I screwed that up. So practice it before you do it. Definitely go into try mode and make sure you know how to use medevac before you do it. Definitely don't the alt other, R, right? <laughs> I will say the number one tip you have to learn about the new Morales is auto attacking. You do have to auto attack. Auto attack gives you more energy. So mm, okay. you don't want to be out of position, number one. But number two, you do want to auto attack. Make I sure feel like when attacking. a healer has to an auto attack outside of Taronda is weird. Yeah. You know? But it, yeah, but that's how she gains energy is auto attacking and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's funny. There wasn't like a lot of do this build. Um, there was a few... Uh, kind of analysis between the old um, Morales and the new one. A lot of people feel that Morales is really good in like silver gold level play. Like mm-hmm. if you're looking to pick up a support, um, you pick, you can pick Morales and you can play her through silver and gold. I've seen people say they played her all the way up through masters and gotten masters with her one trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it comes down to, you're going to be focused because that's it, it, once you get above silver gold, people are know to focus Morales because she really Absolutely. doesn't have anything. Uh, to peel I feel like that's one of the first things people learn because you you, you hear that too many times when you play. You know, they're always like, focus Morales. You're like, obviously we know what we need to do. <laughs> but they make it very clear that that's what you should be doing every time. <laughs> yeah. So basically you really have no way to heal through burst. Uh, yeah. Even if you put your armor on and stuff. Isn't uh, it weird though be- that a single target healer is not a burst healer? Yeah. Kind of, right? Counterintuitive, right? Yeah. I would I would not think that would be the yeah. case. She can prevent damage. You know, she can yeah. give shielding and stuff like I that. I think prior but, to our rework, yeah. rework, she was good at burst damage, right? Or burst healing on like a singular target. A singular target. But since her rework, it seems like she doesn't handle it as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, that's pretty much Morales right now. You know, a couple builds. The popular build is you take... Uh, you know, life support at level one. Uh, this generates two energy each time you safeguard, reduces damage up to the maximum of 20 energy per um, per attack. Moving on to uh, level four, you would take blast shield. Here is hit by a displacement grenade, generate two energy, and grant Lieutenant Morales a shield equal to 6% of her maximum health. And the state, you can stack this up to five times. So get good with your grenade placements. And that's something you should practice probably. Grenade placement um, is huge because you yeah, can save yeah. people obviously and... All you can push things. people into walls, you know, you can yeah. into towers. It's cool. I think that's what defines a good Maya or not Maya, a good medic yeah. versus a bad medic or a mediocre one, even at that. Like if you can yeah. capitalize on what you need to do or how you need to do it, you're or like, you know, securing a kill that puts someone back into your team's reach is huge. Then moving on to level seven, prolonged safeguards kind of recommended, and this increases safeguards duration. Uh Medivac or Stimjern, 
depending on if you have an auto attacker, um, stim drone, you know, makes them go crazy. You can actually put stim on a tank, um, cycles abilities faster, um, sort of like Anna's uh, thing. Level uh, 13 system shock. Uh, basically, this here is hit by displacement grades, deal 30% less damage, since so you're basically reducing their damage, um, which is good. Um, Moving on to level 16, extended care that increases the range of your healing beam by 30%. So you can, you know, stay in the back and, you know, put it on the tank. And then across the board, uh, level 20, uh, Cardius Reactor, that increases the healing provided by the reactor from 2% to 6%. And um, Morales' maximum health, uh, uh, it increases uh, uh, Morales' maximum health by 6%. So... She's still, she doesn't have a, you know, her win rate is around 47% and her popularity is around 8% right wow, now. Wow, that's pretty low. She's obviously in, in the pie in the sites for tweaks at this point. Already. Yeah, and she's not really picked in the HCC at all. No, you know, she, she was picked for a little bit, right? Like yeah, but not a lot. year-ish? Cheesy mm-hmm. comps, right? We were talking about this before we recorded the, uh, yeah. I can't Juice remember. Pirate. There you go. See, I, I'm so glad you remember because I don't. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, she definitely had, you know, she has a play. Um, there wasn't a lot of guides out there. You know, there's basically play guides like by Grubby and Nubbed Cakes, mm-hmm. but no one kind of like really going over the pro, the build strats or anything like that. Basically, if you're on Braxis Holdout, you take her because it allows you to go between the two points fast, you know. Um, so that's why a lot of people pick her on that map, plus the sustain. Um, you know, so, yeah, we got Morales. Now, what's interesting is we have three heroes left so on monday or tuesday we'll be doing the last warrior tank uh, and then we have two supports and then tomorrow we i'm sorry so we have four heroes left including tomorrow tomorrow's an assassin so um uh you know that's it and then so we're still i haven't really uh, presented to the uh the mods what we should be doing after that but most likely what we're going to do is we're going to go with the current map rotation that's um going to be available for HTC. We'll probably review those maps and do the pros and cons. Listen, like the hero discussion. And then after BlizzCon and after we do all the maps, we'll probably revisit all the reworked heroes throughout the 2018 that weren't covered. So believe it or not, like Tyrande came out a week before they announced the Tyrande rework hero discussion. So <laughs> the, Diablo, irony. the irony in that is so funny. I can see Diablo, um, you know, Asmodan, you know, maybe even Maev because Maev was we covered Maev and then like you know they got, the hero continually got nerfed a few times, so uh, you know maybe Sonia I think might be one of them too. So we'll definitely go through the uh, we'll prior we'll review the ones that we reworked or balance major balance changes. One of the things weird about Sonia is she she kind of like fell off hard. You know she like yeah. really strong for a while and then with like Urel coming out she just was yeah. like near. Just strike down. Like, no reason, yeah. really. Just kind of like, yeah, don't really want to play her. And that's it. That's about it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just yeah. not what I would have thought. Yeah, I think that she got counterfeited a bit, you know, with re- with the URL soul laning. And, um, you know, uh, Blaze kind of was a soul, good soul laner as well. Um, maybe also because, the you know, the rework, you know, it kind of buffs certain aspects of her, like her poison damage and stuff. Um but it still seemed like she could get CC'd and, um, you know, get bursted yeah, down. Yeah, I think so. that's the problem. She's vulnerable to CC, like, because whirlwind is, like, huge. Yeah. 
I mean, so you have that big you know, glare, and then so what are you basically a jungler, and and, and you can't win the soul lane, so it's like yeah, there's better years, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes it just happens, you know. Um, uh, you know, like I said, I think if you're if if they start looking at the soul lane, they might make some adjustments there. If they're trying to mix it up a bit, you know, they might make some adjustments to make her. It, it doesn't take much, like what they did was right, they yeah. they, yeah. Had, they increased the mana cost for a lot of those soul laners, like the Haka and such. Right. Yeah. So you, you might, well. maybe she will be viable at some point, right? Because she out sustains yeah. in some way or some form or another. And who right. knows? Maybe ritual player and 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 right. show everyone how to really play there. <laughs> right. He showed us how to play hammer. So apparently, maybe we don't know how to play. <laughs> He goes, you think she's dead? Let me show you. <laughs> right. He's like, stand back, everyone. <laughs> Our goal was to do an hour episode, and we've done two hours, I think. So. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We're only two minutes away, so we can if we end now. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, I'll be on Reddit if you need to, like, you know, make a ship post or anything like that. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, everyone. Till next week. Probably not as much news as this week.